uh, and praise together here at True North. Who's, uh, who's having a good morning so far? What, what have we got? It's about 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. We've already been praising God for about half an hour. And I, I'm excited to be here today because I really believe that God has something to say to each one of us here this morning. And can I just say, it's, uh, it is awesome that you are here. If you've been a part of our church for a long time, or maybe you're here for the first time this morning, can I say I'm so stoked that you're here. It's so great that you're a part of our service this morning, and I'm so excited about what God might speak into your life life during our time here together. Now, I want to give us something this morning. I want to give us an assumption about how our life connects with God. Does that sound good? A new assumption that we can operate with as a follower of Jesus. But before we get to that assumption, I need to lay a framework of three beliefs. Are you ready for three beliefs? Here's the first belief, that there is a God. Anyone believe in the reality of God here this morning? Hopefully. Come on. Anyone believe that God is real? I would hope Sunday morning out of church, we've kind of got that one kind of locked. Okay. So we believe in the reality of God, that we believe that God is the creator of the universe, that God is in everything, that God is through everything, that everything consists within who he is, that he is the alpha, the omega, that he is glorious, that he's worthy of our praise, that God is simply who that he says he is. So that's belief number one that's going to shape a new assumption about how we operate with God. Here's belief number two, and it's a simple one, and I may have already even prayed it this morning, that that same creator God knows your name. He knows your name. That creator of the universe, the one that is so beyond our comprehension in some ways, he actually knows your name here this morning. That's belief number two. And here's belief number three. That that same universal creator that knows your name, that knows who you are, he's actually invested in who you are becoming. He cares about who you are, what your life looks like, what you're going through, who you're growing to become. So there are three beliefs that we're going to take to form a new assumption about how we can connect relationally with who our God is. And here's the assumption. That every new day, God has something to say to me. That every new day, God actually has something that he wants to say to you. Now, on one hand, that sounds kind of simple. You're like, yeah, Phil, I've believed that since I was seven. (laughs) But has it radically changed your life? I wonder if the assumption of your life was that every day that same God had something to say to me, would it change our behavior? I think if we truly believe that the Creator God wanted to say something to us, it would change the way that we begin listening. So this morning I want to speak into this subject, the call of God. The call of God. Now, sometimes when we give a phrase like that, we can kind of think about the call of God as being like a significant, dramatic moment where where in a unique way you perceive the leading and the presence of God. Maybe it's even something like an audible voice, a, a dramatic moment that radically changes the course of your life. And sometimes that is what the call of God can feel like. Has anyone experienced a moment like that in your life? Come on, some of us have. Where there's this radical sense of God's presence is here, and I feel Him calling me in a very unique and particular way. 
Now, if we limit our understanding or our framework of what God's call is in our life to those dramatic kind of once-in-a-lifetime moments, we miss something that is so important. Because I believe that every single day, God is calling you. That every single day, God's voice has something to communicate to you. That every single day, the Spirit of God wants to lead us in a particular way that is formative for who we are and how we spend our time. So if we take that, we say, okay, Phil, I'm invested in that idea. I can believe that. That each new day, God actually wants to speak something into my life. So how come so often my experience doesn't feel like that? I don't feel like God's calling me every day. I don't feel the sense of his presence leading me in particular ways each new day. So then the question becomes, how do I hear more of God's voice in my life? How do I come to hear the voice of God in my day-to-day life? You know, there's a great passage of Scripture that we find in the Old Testament in a book called Samuel, where, where Samuel, and to, to help you kind of locate him within the story of God's Word, he was, a, he was a prophet, and he was actually the prophet that anointed the first king in Israel. Anyone know who that king was? King Saul, very good from the front row. And uh, so, so King Saul, so Samuel was the prophet who anointed the first king of Israel. And that, that's kind of part of his story. But what was unique about Samuel, and, and this is kind of uh, a shared characteristic for all the prophets, that throughout his life, he had a unique ability to hear the voice of God in his life. And the, the role of the prophets in that time was to hear the voice of God and then communicate the will of God to those around. And Samuel was one of these kind of guys. But his incredible life of ministry began with him first learning to perceive and discern the call and the voice of God in his own life. And there's a wonderful story that we find uh, in 1 Samuel that kind of tells this story in connection with a priest named Eli at the time. And I'd love it if we could read that together. So we're going to have that up on the screens. And we're going to 1 Samuel Chapter 3 and starting in verse 1. We're going to read about 10 verses together. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along or we'll have it up on the screens as well. So here's what it says. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, who was the priest at Shiloh at the time. Now in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Now one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Now, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and that was just a a lamp like a flame that burnt in the temple. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And someone say, house of the Lord. Lord. That's where Samuel was lying down. Then the Lord called Samuel, said, Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. So God calls Samuel, but he doesn't recognize God's voice. He believes that it's Eli. And then again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. It's a kind of familiar story for anyone with young kids trying to get them to stay in bed throughout the night. He said, I did not call, go back, lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He couldn't hear God's call in his life just yet. Now, a third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me yet again. Now, Eli's starting to realize that something's going on here. Now, what's happened there? I think we've gone backwards in a couple of... The boy Samuel... 
In the, yeah, we got, a, we got something weird going on that first line there. But then, get, jump to line two. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Now, I love this story. I love this story as a framework for what it means to come to recognize, discern, and hear the voice of God in our lives. And there's markers throughout this passage that points us to the reality that if we believe that God is constantly speaking to us, that His Spirit constantly has something to say to our own spirit, that there's actually some things contained within Scripture that we can take hold of and say, okay, I want this experience in my life. I want to know and perceive and hear and recognize more of God's call in me. Now, the first thing I want to draw our attention to is in verse 3. And we learn about where Samuel is. He's residing in the temple. He's actually living in the temple. Now, the temple in that time represented the dwelling place of God's presence. And we hear in verse 3, can we go back to verse 3? Check this out. Where do we find him? Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Now, what's significant about the ark being referenced here, that within the temple, within the Holy of Holies, you had the ark of the covenant, which in that time was the dwelling place of God's presence amongst his people. So we have Samuel residing in the house of God. He's quite literally going to sleep every night with the presence of God. Now, if we want to hear and come to understand and recognize more of the call of God in our life, we've got to think about our position. Are we positioned in our life to hear the call of God? Now, Samuel, he was in the right position, living in the presence of God. Now, if we want to be the kind of people that in our experience of faith, we have that sense of recognizing God's call in real ways, Here's the first question we need to ask. Am I positioned in such a way that God can actually speak to me? Is my life positioned in such a way where God has the opportunity to speak to me? Yeah, this is a really important question for each one of us to personally ask. Reflect on it even now, right for a moment. Is my life positioned in a way where I could even hear the voice of God? You know, for each one of us, there's going to be different answers to that question. There's going to be different applications to that question. But I think there's two common ones that I want to give us really quickly around our positioning as followers of Jesus. Here's the first one, is character. Am I positioned in my character to hear God's voice? You know, I really believe, and this is purely based on my own experience of life, that when there are parts of my heart and my soul where there's broken character, it creates something like spiritual white noise that prevents me from hearing, perceiving, and recognizing the voice of God in my life. Now, here's here's the thing. God doesn't see the brokenness within me or the sin within me and look at that and stop talking. That's not God. That's not how He operates. He's the God that sent His Son to redeem and renew me while I was still a sinner. Sin does not stop God speaking to us. 
But what it can sometimes do is hamper our ability to hear his voice. So here's a question. Am I positioned in my character to hear the call of God? The next one that I think is common for a lot of us is community. How am I positioned in community to hear God's call? You know, one of the really powerful things that I love about church and have benefited from so much in my own life is that when you position yourself in a community of faith, all of a sudden it gets a lot easier to recognize and hear the call of God in your own life. There's something about the church. There's something about the church that Jesus gave to the world that acts as a lightning rod that when we gather together to hear and recognize the call of God. How are you positioned in community, in the relationships in your life, to hear the call of God? We're going to go a little bit further in this story in Samuel. We see that he's positioned, he's living in the presence of God. And in that position, he hears the voice of God. But, but we also know that there's a few little problems that he has as, as he's coming to discern God's voice in his life. So he gets up and he, he thinks, it's, it thinks, it's Eli, it's Eli calling me. So he runs to his master. Well, you know, what's going on? What do you need? I'm here, I'm here. Also, great attitude from this young guy, right? Getting called in the middle of the night and boom, he's up. Good on him. But he goes to Eli because he cannot for himself hear and discern God's call in his life just yet. Now, here's something so powerful, and I love this, uh, about this relationship in this passage between Samuel and Eli, that Eli actually brings shape to Samuel's life that empowers him to hear and recognize more of God in his life. What an amazing thing. You know, I love that idea, and really what Eli is like for Samuel in this passage is like he's a mentor bringing shape to Samuel's life so he can perceive more of what God's doing in him. You know, it's almost as I think about this passage, I see Eli as like a spiritual hearing aid for Samuel, that he brings clarity and amplification to what God is speaking into his life. You know, I believe there's another great thing that we can draw from this passage right here, and to ask the question, okay, who are the spiritual hearing aids in my life? Yeah, it It might sound like a bit of a funny concept to say out loud, but hopefully that translates into some action. Who are the spiritual hearing aids in your life? Again, right now, begin to consider it. Who's an Eli in my life that when I spend time with them, they give me the courage, the passion, the wisdom to pursue God in my own life, to hear more of his voice? Who are the Elis in your life? We've got to identify them. And then next up, we've got to pursue them. We've got to pursue them. You know, as I was thinking about this this week and actually preparing my, my thoughts around this passage, I, I was reminded of the power of this, and I sent a text to, to one of the Elis in my life. And I said, thanks for being an Eli in my life. And he's been a pastor for about 40 years, so he knew what that meant. If you send a text, you might need to give it a bit more context, depending on, you know, who you're texting. I don't know if you can get that as an emoji. Thanks for being an Eli. John, can you work on that for us? Yeah, great. Not now, after. Yeah. Um, but, but to think, who are the Eli's? And I, and I just text him and say, hey, man, I want to thank you for being an Eli in my life. Can we catch up for coffee? And he's like, yeah, great, awesome. When was the last time you pursued someone that can bring spiritual clarity to your life? Say, can I take you out for a coffee? Can I take you out for lunch? I just want to chat. I just want to chat. You know, there is incredible power when we have spiritual conversations with one another. 
Yeah, I went to the gym with a young guy this week, and it was a bad move. He's heaps stronger than me, so I can't really lift my arms at the moment. But, but I could see what he was doing in that moment. He invited me. He said, hey, do you want to come to the gym with me? I was like, sure, sure. And as we're working out, he, he gave me this question, and he pursued a spiritual conversation with me. And we had this awesome conversation that might never have happened if he in that moment hadn't decided to say, okay, let's take this beyond a conversation about working out at the gym and let's take this to a place where we can encourage one another in our passion for Jesus. When was the last time you pursued those kind of conversations? Identify that person that you know brings life to your soul and then pursue it. Hey man, let's get a coffee. You can decide in your text or phone call whether you want to say, I want to talk about Jesus or not. Pursue your hearing aid. There's a second part to this, though. So we see Eli is the one that brings amplification and clarity for Samuel as he's coming to discern the call of God in his life. But I think there's also something profound in the actual phrase that Eli gives Samuel. It says, okay, when the Lord speaks... Here's what I want you to say. Can we get that back on there? I think it's verse 9. Did I get that right? Is it verse 9? Yeah, here we go. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, and and we're going to underscore this in our reading, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, can we try that together with the hand, with the actions? So we say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Okay, one more time. Sorry, that was too cool. We've got to do it one more time. That was awesome. That was awesome. Can you give yourself a round of applause? That was fantastic. Fantastic. Now, I believe there are three powerful things to take hold of in what Eli's communicating in this moment. And in fact, I'm going to invite the team to come and, come and join me. We're going, to, we're going to share and commune. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But here's the three things that I want you to take hold of as we, we continue to consider is what does it mean to pursue the voice of God in our life. So first of all, the first directive that Eli gives the younger Samuel is to say, speak, Lord. Now, what that's capturing is the desire to hear the voice of God in our life, to say, speak, Lord. I actually have a desire to know what you have to say. Now, here is an incredibly powerful prayer to start praying in your life. That every single day, remember, we're believing now, we're believing now that God has something to speak to me every new day. Now, I'm going to start living as if that's true because I believe that it is. So that when I get up in the morning, I say, God, what do you have to speak to me today? God, what fresh new thing does your spirit have for my life today? What encouragement do you have for me today? What challenge do you have for me today? Maybe what conviction do you have for me today, Lord? But speak. Jesus, be present in my day. Would you speak to me, Lord? Would you speak? If we want to start hearing more of the voice and the call of God in our life, there needs to be a new desire to hear his voice and call in our life. So we begin praying, speak, Lord. Our focus is on who he is and the voice that he has. And a new prayer within me rises up and says, God, speak to me. That's the first part of Eli's direction to Samuel. Then what's the next part? Come on, stay with me. Your servant 
your servant. Notice that, again, to use this word in a different context, the positioning that Eli models before the Lord. It says, speak, Lord, I am your servant. Your voice carries power that is greater than my own. I am subservient to your leading in my life. That your voice is the voice that brings shape to my life. You know, sometimes in our lives, we have that desire to hear God's voice, but we want God's voice to be subservient to us. So we say, speak, Lord. This is exactly what I want you to say. (laughs) Speak, Lord. This is exactly what I need. Can you do exactly that, please? Thank you very much. And as we desire God's voice, we desire a voice that is subservient to us. Guess what? When that's our framework, we add some white noise to what God's actually saying. So Eli's command is to say, desire God's voice, but recognize that you are subservient to his voice. That he is the one that is in control. That the lordship of your life is in God's hands. Now, I really believe that when we position ourselves as followers of Christ in this place that says, God, I'm prepared to hear what you have to say. Because at times, it's not going to be what we want to hear, right? At times, it's going to be far out. That's challenging. That's stretching. I don't know if I can go through that fire. But there's another in the fire, of course. So Eli says we've got to be subservient to the leading of God. That's the attitude of our heart when we seek to hear his voice. So for some of us here this morning, that's the shift that we need to make. God, I want to hear your voice not my filtered version of your voice, that I am actually servant to your voice. You know, that's something that happens in the heart. Say, speak, Lord. I'm going to be your servant. It's an inclination of the heart to say, God, I'm following your leading, your calling. And then Eli says, continuing with that foundation of ideas, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You know, it's time to listen in a whole new way. It's time to listen in a whole new way. To create space in our lives where we can hear the voice of God. So here's the the question I want to leave you with as we head into communion. And circling back, is your life positioned in such a way that you can hear and recognize the call of God in your life? What He's speaking to you? Are you pursuing people that can be that spiritual hearing aid, bringing amplification to what God is already speaking in your life? Because chances are your life's probably filled with them. And then finally, can you take hold of that heart of Eli? Say, speak, Lord. I'm your servant and I'm listening. So the first step is creating space to listen. You know, I believe that that Eli is also modeling a statement in that idea of listening. That when you're really listening, be to an important person in your life, a husband, a wife, maybe a boss, something like that. A situation where you have to really listen. 
And the reason our ears tune in and the reason we listen with such fervor is because we fully intend to put into action what's being told. Have you ever noticed there the times when we listen the most? Is when our intention is like, well, I'm, I need to listen to this because I've got to put it into place in my life. That's what Eli's talking about. I'm your servant. My ears are wide open. My heart, my soul is wide open. Speak, God, and I'm going to put it into practice in my life. We're going to create a moment here this morning to share in communion together. If you've never done this before, it's a, it's a simple step of gathering around the table. We believe uh, that at our church, we believe